Out that song. Get your Bible if you would, please. I guess you could tell by the messages all day long uh, that uh, I had my mind last night on troubles and sorrows that everybody's going through because I went through the Scripture and God just uh, laid on my heart uh, several verses. I wish I had all day long to sit down and talk with people that say, know they're saved, but yet they have, uh, they get into hard times and, and they need something special. And uh, God is that special. The Lord Jesus Christ is what we need during those hard times. And I want to read, if you would please, just quite a bit in First Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of right, speaking evil of you who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but lie, live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. And above all things have fervent charity, among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth that God in all things might be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, but as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached, for the name of Christ, happy are you. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? 
And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall be where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well doing as unto a faithful creator. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, as we read these tremendous verses, we understand that no one's ever suffered like Jesus. But Lord, I do realize in ministering all these years that even Christians suffer. And we sometimes get the idea that we don't, that Christians don't go through suffering. But we do, and there's a purpose for it. Bless us tonight now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Going back, please, especially to verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. I wish you'd underline that some strange thing. Now, uh, notice the first word here in this verse is beloved. Now, that's a wonderful word. The word beloved tells us clearly the ones to whom this exhortation is given. The beloved could be none other than those that are redeemed, that is, saved people, and by the grace of God, washed in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and those who are members of the household of faith. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you. Now, there is not a Christian who has not been born again who has had trials and testing sometimes or another in their life. Every Christian has trial and tribulation. Verse 12 states it, uh, not just a trial, but a fiery trial that will beset you along the journey to heaven. Now, notice the fact that we are not to think of a fiery trial as a strange thing. That tells me that it's normal thing then. And it is not a strange or abnormal thing, then it's natural. So fiery trials beset all Christians sooner or later. And I, I don't know about you, uh, but I've had a lot of more good days in my Christian life than I have had bad days in my Christian life. I also know what heartache and disappointment and sadness and bereavement is. I know what it is to be broken. I know what it is uh, to sob and weep, weep out of a broken heart. I've been through things uh, just like anybody else, but I also know that God is still good. Amen? Now, have you ever wondered why so many pastors have had so much tragedy in their homes? I sure have. It looks like to me, if you're the pastor and you serve the God with all your heart, the best you can, that everything will be fine, everything will be good. But I want you to notice verse 13. Now, verse 13, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be re revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Now, notice here, how can you rejoice in such an experience as this? Yet, the exhortation is very clear that instead of accusing God foolishly or claiming the Lord as not loving you, we are to rejoice. Now, I believe God has a special day of exceeding joy 
that he is holding in reserve for his beloved children who have experienced fiery trials in this last journey. I believe this time of exceeding joy will be the moment when Jesus shall return in power and great glory. I can't, I, I sit around a lot this, this, as I get older and I think about Jesus could come anymore. What a moment that would be. But I also think if he don't come soon, I'm going to see him. What a moment that's going to be. Amen? Going through all you go through in this life, it'll all be gone. I mean, it's wiped clean. You don't even have that to think about it no more. Don't you notice verse 14? If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. For the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you on their part. He is evil spoken of. But on your part, he is glorified. Now this verse tells me what he has already suggested earlier in the book of 1 Peter. He is, there is a reproach in Christ. There's no way a person can avoid some uh, persecution if we love our Lord Jesus Christ and stand for the Bible and stand for the Word of God and stand up for old-time religion and godly living in our lives. If you do these things, this world is not going to like you. There is no way to avoid that. Now, you can't get around that. If you stand for what's right in the Bible and the Word of God. Now, verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. I've had, I, I know that uh, uh, I bought a piece of property and it's just a beautiful piece of property on the lake and right across the canal was just a beautiful piece of property and from where I live and then this person died and then this other person bought the piece of property and man they put everything in the world over old trucks and cars and, and just things right across the canal from it and uh, I was sitting one day and I said man I wish they'd get rid of some of that junk where I could see the lake like I used to see it So, and then it hit me that's their piece of property. They can do whatever they want to with it. This is mine over here. Amen? And that's the way we're to live. Now, verse 15 is very down to earth. Notice, if you're born again, born again people live right. Born again people mind their own business. Now, notice, there are a lot of people who does suffer as murderers, and evildoers, and fornicators, and so forth. Many people are in jail today, behind bars for doing these things. I had a lady came to our church some years ago, and, and uh, she got married to this guy, and, and they were very poor. And uh, she got a penny and put it behind her, me uh, her meter for Tampa Electric, and she was getting electricity free. And they caught her. And she called me from jail. And she said, Pastor, will you come get me? They got me in jail. Would you bail me? I can't stand being you. Now, preacher, you got to come get me. That's exactly what he's talking about here. Did you know we think that Christians are never doing anything wrong? I mean, all Christians are just little angels. No, they're not. We're sinners saved by God's grace. And you got to remember that. Now, verse 16. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, by the way, going back to that, 
if you suffer for the things that you do wrong, as a Christian, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. That's what he's talking about. But, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm glad I am what I am and who I am. An old-fashioned, Bible-believing Baptist preacher. Now, folks, I'm not ashamed of that. And I don't care who makes fun of me. I'm still not ashamed of it. Amen? I'm not in a proud position. That ain't what I'm talking about. I'm just thankful to God that I got saved under a good old-fashioned Bible-believing Baptist preacher and I studied behind him and I believe that he taught me the Bible according to God's Word. And, and, but if I was a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a busybody, then I'd be ashamed of that. But I'm not ashamed to suffer as a Christian. Verse 17, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them be? that obey not the gospel of God. Do you know where people always point their finger? It's a church and church members. I thought you were a Christian. I didn't know you'd do that. You're a Christian. You call yourself a Christian and you do that. And they're always pointing their finger. Judgment begins at the house of God. But the Bible said, wait a minute. Judgment is coming to those that don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what shall be the end of them uh, that they will be to obey not the gospel of God. Now turn to Revelation 21 for just a minute. Revelation 21. And I want to begin to read in verse 6. Revelation 21 and verse 6. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, according to this, it tells us what their end will be that don't do, don't live the Christian life. Now, let's go back, please, to First Peter uh, again and verse eighteen. Verse eighteen. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Aren't you glad you saved today? I, I thought about this a lot. Did you know I was reading in the Bible the other day that we were saved by the skin of our teeth? <laughs> I read that. I've heard that all my life. I've heard my daddy and mama talk about the skin of your teeth. And I was reading, I think it's in Proverbs, I was reading where he talking about being a child of God by the skin of your teeth. And I got to, when I got to reading these verses where he said you shall be scarcely saved. Aren't you glad you saved? What he's talking about there is like me when I got saved. I went to that tent revival where I got saved at on a dare just to hear a preacher. I had no intention of getting saved. I went there just to see what was going on. And God got a hold of my heart and saved my soul there. 
That's scarcely being saved. Amen? Now, first of all, every person is scarcely saved. By that, Peter means none of us deserve the grace of God. He has given us eternal life when we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Every one of us should go to hell, according to the Scriptures, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and not by righteousness which we have done, but by His mercy He saved us. Now, I thank God His salvation is a free gift, or none of us would be saved. Now, if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? The Bible says over and over again, and it makes it clear, they shall go to an everlasting hell forever and ever. Now, people don't want us to talk about that today. They don't even want to talk about hell, period. Don't want to mention it. They don't want to say, uh, there can't be a place like that. A righteous God wouldn't make a hell for us. And everyone I might tell, He didn't make it for us. He made it for the devil and his angels. But if you reject Christ as your Savior, you're going there. And where, uh, wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God uh, commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. I love John chapter 10. I have people all the time come to me and preacher, show me some verses. I had a person call me out of state just the other day and said, Preacher, can you tell me some verses of Scripture where that I am saved forever and nothing can take it away from I said, I sure can. In John chapter 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. Notice, please, first of all, our salvation, eternal life, is a gift. You don't earn it. And it also is not part-time. It's eternal. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man has ever plucked them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Now, when I suffer as a Christian, and in the will of God, no matter what form that suffering may come in, then I can commit my soul unto the hand of God in my will doings. Now, the hardest, one of, one of the things that I learned by experience in dealing with people, suffering is not always outwardly. Suffering, some people, uh, just like uh, Brother Pitts, bless his heart, when he got in the hospital and I went to see him and he took off his leg above his knee and I saw him suffering. He sat there in bed and he said, watch this preacher. And he pushed his leg down and come back up by himself. He, kept, he said, I can't keep, keep it down. He keeps coming up by himself. And I sat there and watched him suffer and I thought of, that's physical suffering. But I've also seen a men, many a person suffer mentally I mean, they suffered mentally. I, I've seen people that always thought somebody was out to get them. They just somebody out to get them all the time. And really, in reality, there was nobody out to get them. In fact, they didn't even know hardly they was alive. And they always talk about so and so is after to get me. After that's mental. That's mental suffering. There's suffering like uh, losing a little baby or. Or losing your loved one in death and, and on. There's all kinds of suffering. 
We got the idea when we talk about suffering that it's all physical. No. And when I look at people today and I realize I don't know what they're going through. Amen? They don't know what I'm going through. I might be going through something right now that you have no idea, but I'm suffering with it. I can look at you and say, I don't know what you're going through either. But I do know one thing. Everybody suffers in one way or another. And the Bible makes it very plain that when we are suffering, that we're to glorify God as His children. I found a little something that I got tickled at it when I read it, but I wrote by it. Some note wrote some nut wrote this. If you got religion, you don't know it. If you know it, you don't got it. And if you got it, you can't lose it. And if you lose it, you didn't have it. And if you never had it, you can't get it. <laughs> I read that. <laughs> That's something. You know what? What has been the privilege of me being a pastor is dealing with people, dealing with happy people, dealing with suffering people, unhappy people, and yet God loves them all, and God wants to help them all. And going through what we go through life, the one thing God's asked us to do is stand fast in Him, give Him the glory. And everything that we say and do, that's our privilege. Amen? And I'm so glad for that. Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name tonight that you would help us. You keep account of every tear that's dropped. You said you bottle them up, so we know you keep account of them. Every heartache, you keep account of them. One day, you'll reward those that suffer for you. But also know, Lord, that the unsaved suffer, those who reject you. And I can't stand the thought of seeing anybody die without you and go into a lake of fire where they'll suffer forever and ever. And Lord, I ask you in Jesus' name, help us as your people every day, no matter what we're going through, to look in your face and say, Thank you, Lord. You do all things well. You never make a mistake. You do all things well, and you'll take care of us. Bless us tonight. Go with us, watch over us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight.